Well, good morning to everyone. Um, I have the privilege of sharing with you this morning. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to, well, mostly wielding the power that this comes with. Um, but also sharing with you. Um, and hopefully, I don't know, hopefully you'll be encouraged by it. Um, so um, I think probably the best way to start is by praying. So let's do that. Uh, thank you, Lord. Uh, that we can all gather together, and I pray that uh, Holy Spirit would be uh, speaking through me, and yeah, that we'd be um, really encouraged, and yeah, that we would um, be growing in our identity and being able to be sure in who we are in You. Amen. Well, um, something. Um, Something that I tend to deal with in you know every once in a while in life, um, and that I don't know, it was, maybe it's the British side of me, but something that's difficult is navigating compliments. Now it's it's a tr it's a tricky subject, compliments, because you get one and you're all of a sudden in a mm, sometimes tricky situation in that you're immediately trying to think of something to say back, or you're like ah thanks, um, and so I remember a few years ago. I'd just done, um, I'd helped out with worship at my church um, in Peru. Um, and um, at the end, someone came up and he said, Oh, well done, that was really good. You know, I really felt God was ministering. And I was like, In my, you know, in my youth, I said, Ah, it was, it was God, yes. <laughs> Which, you know, I kind of have some qualms about looking back because honestly, if it was God, then it probably would have been a lot better. Um, <laughs> and so, in, in general, when I receive compliments, I tend to have one of two what I would call negative reactions. And one is, I tend to either give myself a bit too much credit, I'm like, oh yeah, I am quite good at that, am I, am I not? Um, or, I tend to do the, the downplay, when you downplay like, no, it was nothing, you know, I'm so humble, look at me. Um, and so, both of these, um, we kind of, I mean, especially with the last one, um, tend to have like a reaction of maybe false humility, where um, I try and appear humble. And so, um, kind of seamlessly transitioning. I recently read this little booklet, called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. Panning. Um, really good, by Tim Keller. Three quid on Amazon. Um, might have to take out a small loan, but it'll be worth it. Um, and I will draw heavily from this booklet in this talk, so you know, don't give me too much credit. Um, and so my hope is that by the end of this talk, um, we'll be able to recognize and also seek to implement the freedom that comes from self-forgetfulness and glorify God for his grace that allows us to live fearlessly. And now, I want to start by oh, that was fun. Um, reading this passage from 1 Corinthians. So I'll just read it out to you. Um, it goes like this. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. This is Paul speaking. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. 
It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. Now, um, as we dive into what it means to find freedom in self-forgetfulness, um, it'd probably be handy to identify, well, what, what's at the root of this issue? What's at the root of this problem? So I just want to highlight that, that last um, sentence there um, that says, then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. Now, here Paul's identifying a problem in the Corinthian church in that people were getting, um, were kind of lording over each other and saying, oh look, I am a follower of Paul, I'm a follower of Apollos, I'm a follower of Peter. And they were trying to one-up each other by which teacher they were kind of, um, you know, became a Christian under. Um, and Paul recognizes that human need to kind of um, yeah, to find validation. And he yeah, the Corinthians were trying to find, or trying to prove they were better than others by what teacher they followed. Now, um, to boost my sermon a bit, I'm going to um, draw from Kierkegaard. Um, <laughs> famous uh, philosopher, but just a quote, I won't, I've already overhyped it. Um, but the normal state of the human heart is to try to build our identity around something that isn't God. And that isn't a direct quote, but it's something along those lines. I'll say it again. The normal state of the human heart is to try to build identity around something besides God. Um, and now, I think each of us would probably recognize that it's hard to get through a day without feeling perhaps ignored or perhaps made someone makes you feel a bit stupid or um, put to one side. And as we recognize this, um, we, should, we need to recognize that there's a problem and that um, when, for example, we feel ignored, our ego is being hurt, right? Um, and the fact that our ego is being hurt shows that there is something innately wrong with it. Um, same as with know, your, your toes. If they're not hurting, then they're doing all right. Usually. Um, but once you have pain in them, oh, there's something wrong. S you know, simp simple analogy. Um, and so this, this, um, this need that the ego has to kind of find self-validation um, kind of emphasized in the current culture in which we live. Um, people often say, you decide who you want to be, and you be that person. When we find someone who's perhaps struggling with low self-esteem, the answer is often, oh, we'll just boost it all the way. You know, we'll just give you a dose of high self-esteem. We say, don't let anyone tell you who you are. Be yourself. Um, and on a surface level, this might sound, oh, okay, makes sense. But um, 
Paul, in the passage, actually, he gives us something to think about on that note. So just looking at three, verses 3 and 4 again. Paul says, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Now, we find that's usually a common thought in today's current culture. We say, don't let people tell you who you are. <clears throat> it doesn't matter what other people think about you. Okay, we have some agreement there. But then Paul goes further. He says, indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. So in contrast to the current culture, Paul says he doesn't care what he thinks. So in other words, it's like he's saying, I have a very low opinion of my opinion of me. I'll say it again <laughs> for them in the back. I have a very low opinion of my opinion of me. Even when I'm the one who's setting the standards, they're still going to get broken eventually, you know. I still can't meet those standards. We realize that we are going to disappoint ourselves. And then perhaps you might go, all right, I'll set lower standards. But then it's kind of like a goes full circle where, oh, now I'm a person with low standards. You know, now I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm a horrible person. I feel terrible about this. Um, so Paul refuses to connect his accomplishments and his and his sins to his identity in the sense that he doesn't <clears throat> he doesn't care about his opinion of himself he doesn't let any of that get in the way and that is how he's able to say both of these things in 1st Timothy 1.15 he said Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst well, that, that's not very good is it um, but then in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, we sit here and say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now, how can you reconcile these two things? I mean, is Paul asking us to follow the chief of sinners, the worst of all the sinners? Well, the idea here is, is that his sins are not connected to who he is. They're not connected to who his identity, what his identity is. Um, and so he's, that's why he's confident enough to say, follow me, because I get my, my, the source of, um, my source of being, or the source of who I am, comes from elsewhere. So Paul has reached a place where he isn't thinking about himself. His actions don't define his identity. And now, to further boost my talk, quote from C.S. Lewis, um, in his book, Mere Christianity, he points out that if we were to meet a truly humble person, we wouldn't be struck by how humble they are well, after we met them. We'd instead be struck by how interested they were in us. True humility means I stop connecting every conversation and every experience with myself. For example, and this is kind of a, a bad habit um, I have, have, I've had, have had, and continue to have sometimes. Um, but when I meet someone who um, I realize is better at me, better than me at something, say um, art, which I'm not really good at, um, I have a bad habit of like having to justify to myself 
why they're not a better person than me. So I'd like say to myself, oh, well, what am, what am I better than them at? And so I'll like, try and find something, I'll rummage, you know. Oh, I'm better than uh, football. So we're even now, you know. That's just a bad habit I have of needing to like self-validate when someone else is good at is better at something than me. And true humility, as well as true freedom, will be found when I stop connecting every conversation, every experience to myself. We just, you know, it's it, it's um, enjoying other people, other people's company, just for who they are. A truly gospel humble person knows how to disconnect their identity from both praise and criticism. And as you live like that, you experience the freedom that comes from self-forgetfulness. Now this isn't thinking less of ourselves, but of ourselves less, right? We're not looking down on ourselves, we're not saying, oh, you know, I need to be so humble and bad and no one look at me. But instead, we just need to be more like a, more like a mirror, where you know, we just reflect what other people are saying. And, um, yeah, and just appreciate what others, um, what others bring. Now we need, yeah, we need to be people that, um, that we don't need to receive honor, but we also aren't afraid of it. If that makes sense. That's kind of round off. Let's take a look at verse five. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. In the gospel, we receive the verdict before our performance. God has already made the only judgment that matters about us on the cross when Jesus died in our place. In fact, before we've done anything, God says about us, you know, before we've done anything good, God says about us, Romans 8.1, there's, no, there's now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Well, you know, like Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And now he says to us, like he did to Jesus, you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. Without us having to do anything. God invites us to live from a place where we are sure of who we are in him. Where we do things simply for the joy of doing them. So even when we're striving to be more like Jesus um, and fail time and time again, uh, Titus has this to say about it. Paraphrased. It says, God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. It teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, 
and godly lives in this present age. Wow, thank God that it's not by our own efforts, but by His grace that we become more like Him. One way that, um, I know grace kind of empowering us to be more like Jesus can be a bit abstract. So I just want to draw from the story of the women at the well in John 4. Um, I'm not going to read it all, but as you may recall, Jesus is walking is with his disciples and they go off to find food. Um, and Jesus is sitting at the well in, uh, in Samaria. And um, there's a woman that comes to the well to draw water about midday. Um, and Jesus asks her for water. And they, they um, continue to have a whole conversation where Jesus reveals that she had been with five men. And now, in Jewish culture, of course, um, well, first of all, rabbis couldn't talk to women, let alone women that were Samaritans, let alone that were, um, you know, adulterers. And yet, Jesus demonstrates his love and his grace to her. He doesn't, he doesn't condemn her for her past sins, although he does recognize them. But instead, he, he empowers her to bring the kingdom of God to her entire town. And in fact, because of the woman's testimony, many of the Samaritans from that town came to believe in Jesus. And so we see in that situation that Jesus extending his grace to this woman is the mechanism that allows her, is what draws her in and allows her to be full of passion and love. To you know, just simply tell her whole town, look what this man said to me. And this is such a beautiful story that demonstrates that God uses broken vessels like us, despite our sins and flaws. He brings us into his family, gives us a new identity, and uses us for his glory. So just to recap what, um, what we've talked about today. The problem, culture says that your identity comes from who you decide you want to be. However, true humility means I stop connecting every conversation and experience with myself. And we're not thinking less of ourselves, but of ourselves less. And then finally, true freedom can only be found when we live out of a place where we know who we are as God's children. God has already made the only judgment about you that will ever matter. So today I just invite you to step out of the courtroom. You know, you're not being judged anymore. Step out of that courtroom and let God define who you are, not society. So just invite you to close your eyes one second. Invite you to to just respond to what you might be feeling the Holy Spirit is saying.
But this morning, God wants you to find true freedom in finding your identity in Him. In forgetting, forgetting about yourself for a minute, but just embracing who God says you are. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be speaking to each person in here, Lord. Thank you that it's by your grace, only by your grace, that we are saved, we can enter into your family. Lord, we glorify you. You are so worthy to receive all of our praise. Lord, it's by your grace. That precious grace. Just invite you spend spend maybe a minute just reflecting on that with with God. <laughs>